Warlock Warbuck Reads. Produced by the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library. Welcome to Warlock Vorbach Reads, a Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library podcast. I am back for another installment of Supernatural Poetry. Last time, we combed one of the oldest works of poetry, The Odyssey, for frightful scenes of danger and monsters. Also, we asked who or whom Homer was and briefly discussed the uncertainty in when exactly the Odyssey was written down. This week's epic poems composition is also unknown, as is the author, but it is one of the most translated works of Old English. Today, I will be reading a selection from Beowulf. Beowulf, like the Odyssey before, has a lot of unknowns about it. The poet is anonymous and is often referred to as the Beowulf poet. We have no other descriptor about the poet or the poet's life. The sole surviving manuscript doesn't even have a title, so the name of the main protagonist, Beowulf, has become its title. It may have been composed sometime between 975 and 1025 CE, or current era. Or, it may have been passed on like an oral poem and written down later with Christian doctrine added to make it less pagan. We are also very lucky to still have it. The only original version of the poem is found in the manuscript called the Noel Codex, the second of two books containing Anglo-Saxon poetry. Named after the antiquarian Lawrence Noel, an early pioneer of historical cartography and owner of the book in the mid-16th century, the Noel Codex was later purchased by Sir Robert Cotton, a parliament member who also belonged to the Society of Antiquaries. In 1731, a fire partially destroyed the Cotton Library, scorching the edges of many pages within the Noel Codex. Serious attempts of restoration did not happen until the 19th century, but for many of the edges and the words on them, they had already started to crumble. The poem was first transcribed in 1786. In the 19th century, nine complete translations occurred, including one by William Morris, a poet we will revisit later in this series. Since the start of the 20th century, hundreds of translations have come out, securing Beowulf forever into the history of literature. I will be reading the John Leslie Hall translation, which is found for free on Project Gutenberg's website. Part 12. Grendel and Beowulf Neath the cloudy cliffs came from the moor then Grendel going, God's anger bear he. The monster intended some one of earthmen in the hall building grand, 
to entrap and make way with. He went under Welkin, where well he knew of the wine-joyous building, brilliant with Platon, Gold Hall of Earthmen. Not the earliest occasion he, the home and manor of Hrothgar, had sought. Nearer found he, in life days later, nor earlier, hardier hero, Hall Thanes, more sturdy. Then came to the building the warrior marching, bereft of his joyance. The door quickly opened on fire hinges fastened when his fingers had touched it. The fell one had flung then his fury so bitter open the entrance. Early thereafter, the foemen trod the shining hall pavement, strode he angrily. From the eyes of him glimmered a luster unlovely, likest to fire. He beheld in the hall the heroes in numbers, a circle of kinsmen sleeping together, a throng of thanemen. Then his thoughts were exultant. He minded to sunder from each of the thanemen the life from his body. Horrible demon. Ere morning came, since fate had allowed him the prospect of plenty. Providence will not permit him any more of men under heaven to eat in the night time. Helok's kinsman, great sorrow endured how the dire-mooted creature in unlooked-for assaults were likely to bear him. No thought had the monster of deferring the matter, but on earliest occasion he quickly laid hold of a soldier asleep, suddenly tore him, bit his bone prison, the blood drank in currents, swallowed in mouthfuls. He soon had the dead man's feet and hands, too, eaten entirely. Nearer he strode then, the stout-hearted warrior snatched as he slumbered, seizing with hand-grip, forward the foeman foined with his hand. Caught he quickly, the cunning divisor on his elbow he rested. This early discovered the master of malice, that in Middle-earth's regions, neath the whole of the heavens, no hand grapple greater in any man else had he ever encountered. Fearful in spirit, faint-mooted waxed he, not off could betake him. Death, he was pondering, would fly to his covert, seek the devil's assembly. His calling no more was the same he had followed long in his lifetime. The liege kinsman worthy of Helok minded his speech of the evening. Stood he up straight and stoutly did seize him. His fingers crackled. The giant was outward. The arrow stepped farther. The famous one minded to flee away farther if he found an occasion. And off and away, avoiding delay to fly to the Fenmores. He fully was aware of the strength of his grapple in the grip of the foemen. 
Twas an ill-taken journey that the injury bringing Harrier Harmer to Heorot wandered. The palace re-echoed. To all of the Danemen, dwellers in castles, to each of the bold ones, Earlmen, was terror. Angry they both were, arch-warders raging. Rattled the building. "'Twas a marvelous wonder that the wine hall withstood then the bold in battle, "'bent not to earthward, excellent earth hall. "'But within and without it was fastened so firmly in fetters of iron "'by the art of the armorer. "'Off from the sill there bent mead benches many, "'as men have informed me, adorned with gold work, where the grim ones did struggle. The Skyland wise men weaned nearer before that by might and main strength a man under heaven might break it in pieces, bone-decked, resplendent, crush it by cunning, unless clutch of the fire and smoke should consume it. The sound mounted upward novel enough. On the North Danes fastened a terror of anguish, on all of the men there who heard from the wall the weeping and plaining, the song of defeat from the foemen of heaven, heard him hymns of horror howl, and his sorrow hellbound bewailing. He held him too firmly, who was strongest of main strength of men of that era. Part 13. Grendel is Vanquished For no cause whatever would the Earlman's defender leave in life joys the loathsome newcomer. He deemed his existence utterly useless to men under heaven. Many a noble of Beowulf brandished his battle sword old, would guard the life of his lord and protector the far-famous chieftain, if able to do so. While waging the warfare, this wist they but little, brave battle-thanes, while his body intended to slit into slivers and seeken his spirit. That the relentless foemen, nor finest of weapons of all on the earth, nor any of war-bills was willing to injure, but weapons of victory, swords, and such like he had sworn to dispense with. His death at that time must prove to be wretched, and the faraway spirit widely should journey into enemy's power. This plainly he saw then, who with mirth of mood malice no little had wrought in the past on the race of the earthmen. To God he was hostile, that his body would fail him. But Helok's hardy henchmen and kinsmen held him by the hand. Hateful to other was each one, if living. A body wound suffered the direful demon. Damage incurable was seen on his shoulder. His sinews were shivered. His body did burst. To Beowulf was given glory in battle. Grendo from thenceward must flee and hide him in the fen cliffs and marshes, sick until death. 
His dwelling must look for unwinsome and woeful. He wist the more fully the end of his earthly existence was nearin, his life days limits. At last for the Danemen, when the slaughter was over, their wish was accomplished. The comer from far land had cleansed then of evil, wise and valiant, the war hall of Hrothgar saved it from violence. He joyed in the night work, in repute for prowess, the prince of the Geatmen. For the East Danish people his boast had accomplished, bettered their burnsome bale sorrows fully. The craft begot evil they erstwhile had suffered and were forced to endure from crushing oppression their manifold misery. Twas a manifest token when the hero in battle the hand suspended the arm and the shoulder. There was all of the claw of Grendel together neath great stretching hall roof. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you are impressed with the heroics of Beowulf. Or perhaps you root for Grendel. Either way, be sure to catch the next episode as we jump to the end of the 16th century. Till next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Vorbach Vorbach Reads. Subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss future episodes. And... Discover more of our podcasts at cincinnatilibrary.org slash podcasts.